Welcome to the Food Therapy Podcast, where we talk honestly and openly about mental health, diet culture, BS, and food freedom. We're your co-hosts. I'm Brittany Modell, owner of Brittany Modell Nutrition and Wellness. And I'm Lauren Sharp, owner of Empower Method Nutrition. We are food freedom registered dietitians who have struggled with mental health, poor body image, and disordered eating behaviors. We are on a mission to dismantle diet culture, normalize conversations around mental health, and empower you as you heal your relationship with food and your body. Let's get talking. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Food Therapy Podcast. Today, we have Laurel Kimmerly, who is a registered dietitian, diabetes educator located in St. Petersburg, Florida. She loves working with people with diabetes to manage their blood sugar and A1C without dieting. Laurel earned her bachelor's degree in dietetics and a graduate degree in nutrition and food science from Florida State University. So welcome, Laurel. Yes, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, so, you know, Lauren and I have been talking about discussing Ozempic on the podcast. And, you know, I don't work with a ton of people with diabetes. I have in the past, but it was so important for us to bring on someone like yourself who really specializes in this space so we can talk about Ozempic um, specifically. So, Kind of getting started, you know, we would love to hear about you. How did you get into this field and, you know, what made you want to become a dietitian and a diabetes educator? Yeah, that's a great question. So I became a dietitian, you know, looking back similarly to, I think, a lot of us, how we started. I really had a bad relationship with food. I really was struggling with some disordered eating and that kind of pushed me into this field. I, at the same time as that was going on, um, my family has been really affected by diabetes. There's a strong family history there. And uh, one of my aunts had passed away from diabetes-related causes. So it was just kind of at this moment in my life where I'm making a decision to become a dietitian, and that was happening. And so that really pushed me into the field of, of diabetes education. Yeah. And so I became a diabetes educator. This is something over... The last year, they just changed it to diabetes care and education specialist. <laughs> These are people who have spent a thousand hours with experience working with the diabetes population. They could be a nurse, a dietitian, a pharmacist, even doctors can be a diabetes educator. And then you sit for this big old test and they make sure you're competent in all different areas of diabetes care. But really understanding medications is a big part of that. Yes. And so what is the role of medication when it comes to diabetes care? Yeah, medication is important, just like everything else. And the goal is for blood sugar management. The goal is to not be on medications. The goal is just to make sure that the blood sugar is in the right range. And so we're going to use medications to do that, lifestyle changes, a lot of different things. But yeah, medications have, plays a really big role in that. Yeah. Can you talk about a little, do type one and type two both go on medication? Do you work with one or the other? Um, do you see more of one? Do you see more of two? Yeah. So when it comes to type one diabetes, everyone has to be taking some sort of insulin and there's different ways that you can take that insulin, but in you have to be taking some sort of insulin when it comes to type 1 diabetes. When it comes to type 2, which is the type of people that I most prominently work with, 
there are some people who don't need to take medications right away. And then there are other people who, depending on where their blood sugar is at, will need those medications right when they're diagnosed. And sometimes those medication needs are going to change um, over a lifetime. What are some factors that lead someone to starting medication? Because I imagine in the beginning, especially for type 2 diabetes, most people will try to control their blood sugars through lifestyle. And at the same time, we know that genetics does play a big role. So sometimes, you know, you need the assistance of medication. How do you decide like when it's time? That's a great question, you know, and I think it's different for every single person. Uh, there's a lot of people who really push to do those lifestyle changes, and it just adds a lot of stress into their life. And there just becomes a point where maybe those lifestyle changes are working for them, and then that changes. Something else happens, and it's no longer those those numbers are no longer in the range we need them to be in. And so, adding those medications can be really helpful. There's a lot of stigma around taking those meds, mm-hmm. and so sometimes a lot of people are really against that. But at the end of the day, it's what's sometimes really necessary to keep that blood sugar in a healthy range. So let's talk about Ozempic, right? It's one of the biggest reasons we wanted you on this podcast to share your expertise. Can you explain what, first of all, like what is Ozempic and how is it used in diabetes care? Yeah, so Ozempic is what we call a GLP-1 receptor agonist, right? It's a once-weekly shot, and it works by increasing insulin secretion. It prevents the liver from dumping as much glucose into the blood, and it slows gastric emptying. So it can be really helpful in managing that blood sugar because of that. And there are some other advantages to this medication. It can be really helpful for heart and kidney health, which is something that we are a little bit more concerned about when it comes to people with diabetes. And there's a low risk of low blood sugar with this medication. So there's a lot of really good things going for it. Uh, There are some disadvantages, of course, those not so fun side effects, which I'm sure we're going to jump into, but it's also fairly expensive. Yeah, it's, we've, I have heard that too. Is it covered by insurance? I mean, I guess it depends what the insurance coverage is, but, and what it's being used for. Yeah, it depends on the insurance and the, the way medications have been prescribed for, for years and years when it comes to diabetes care, metformin is usually that first medication that they start on. In 2022, they changed those recommendations. So now Ozempic could be that first medication that is prescribed if they have a high risk for cardiovascular disease, which a lot of people really do fall into that range. And so we're finding that it's being prescribed more often. Insurances are kind of responding to that, but it's still compared to a lot of the other medications, pretty expensive. Right. Yeah. And what ended up, Because when did Ozempic come out and when did it suddenly turn into this trend for weight loss? Yeah, so Ozempic and these types of meds have been around for years. And it kind of became this perfect storm where in 2022, those recommendations changed so more people could be prescribed this medication. And then at the same time, they're starting to notice that there's this weight loss benefit. And all of these celebrities are coming out saying that they're using this medication. I think I saw there's like 300 million clicks on hashtag Ozempic on TikTok right now. And so it is just really blown up. Yeah. And is there harmful effects 
like besides, you know, standard medication effects, but for somebody who doesn't actually need it from a blood sugar perspective, can it be harmful to their bodies? Yeah. So there are some unwanted side effects and there are some things that if you have conditions that they, you won't want to be prescribed this medication because it is not good for you. Right. Um, so some of those not so fun side effects, nausea, vomiting, abdominal pain, diarrhea, headaches, and that a lot has to do with that slowing of that gastric emptying. And that really increases with that increase of the dosage. And so it's really important to find that dosage that's important. But when it comes to the way they're prescribing it for weight loss, sometimes that's 10 times as strong as you would be giving it to someone who's trying to manage it for their blood sugar. And so you can really come into some issues with that. Right. So it sounds like, you know, someone who is taking it for diabetes at a smaller dose, they will find benefit for their blood sugars. They may or may not have some of these side effects, but because, you know, the medication is now being prescribed for those who are strictly using it for weight loss, the dosage is higher and therefore the side effects might also be worse. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. This medication can be really great when it comes to managing the blood sugar. Uh, A lot of people, it's a shot you take once a week and that's nice because you don't have to be taking a medication every day or multiple times a day. Medications are only going to work if you're going to take them and it can be hard to just remember. And so that's really beneficial. Uh, People have tried a lot of different medications. There's also considerations on other conditions that may have on top of type 2 diabetes. And so a lot of people have found these meds to be effective if they find that appropriate dose that's giving them that blood sugar control without giving them these bad side effects. The problem comes in when your blood sugar is being controlled, but then you keep increasing that dose, hoping that that's going to lead to that weight loss. And a lot of people really end up with some nasty side effects because of that. Right. And I mean, how have your clients or, you know, the folks that you work with, have you found Ozempic to be helpful for their blood sugar management? Like more so than maybe some of the other drugs? It can be really effective and it really depends on the person, the person's lifestyles, again, whatever their conditions they may be dealing with on top of type 2 diabetes. Sometimes this is just like that perfect fit for them. There's dozens of different medications out there. And so sometimes we, it's a lot of trial and error and it can be, um, Right now, a lot of these, it's hard to get Ozempic. And so I've had a lot of clients who found that this is the perfect medication for them. I have tried a lot of other things and now they can't get it from the pharmacy anymore. Yes. I was actually speaking to someone who was taking it for diabetes for the last like five years, not for weight. And she had to travel to four or five pharmacies just to get the medication. And it's really sad because it has been like heavily promoted, obviously by like celebrity culture and diet culture. And the people who actually do need the medication are not able to get them. Yeah, it's devastating. (laughs) So what are you recommending to your clients that aren't able to get it? Does it like just coming off of it suddenly, like getting it every single week and then suddenly you don't get the shot? Are they having poor side effects? What are your what are your recommendations and how are you supporting them? Yeah, so if you stop the medication, everything's going to go back to the way it was before, right? Okay. It's not something that's going to help you long term. 
if you're not taking it anymore. So some people are finding that they can find, it comes in a pen and there's different pens for the different amount, the different prescription that you have. So some people are needing maybe a one milligram a day or a week are now only being able to find pens that are 0.25 or something like that. And so that dosing isn't as strong as it once was. And so that it's not helping their blood sugar as well as it once was. And for other people, I mean, they're starting to really think about switching medications, which is a really, really not so fun process. (laughs) Well, especially if you find a medication that works well for you and your diabetes and having to switch solely because it's in such high demand for people who don't actually have diabetes. Like that must be so frustrating. So, so frustrating. Yes. Yeah. It's almost like, I mean, the medication process, I haven't been through it in terms of diabetes, but mental health. Oh my gosh. Like the fear of starting a new medication. How is it going to affect me? Is it going to work? And then when you finally find something that's working for you and then you can't get it, like that is just really shitty. That honestly happens even with my birth control pills. I will go to the pharmacy and then they give me a whole new pack and they're like, well, it's basically the same thing, but it's not like the, whatever they use in those pills, like it somehow changes in my body. And so it's also really invalidating when people are like, it's just, it's basically the same thing, but it makes you feel so much more different. Right. Um, taking them. Yes. Yeah, definitely. And there's other medications like in this class of drug that people can try as well. But like you said, it's like a little bit of a difference can really change everything. Is Wagovi something similar to Ozempic? I know yes. That. Okay. So Wagovi is the same medication. It is in the same class, but it's actually the same medication as Ozempic. It okay. just, was just recently approved for that 2.4 milligram dose. And so it's just a, a really, really high dose of Ozempic. And they're really marketing it towards the weight loss. Yes. And I could be wrong, but wasn't it also approved around the same times that the AP? like the American Academy of Pediatrics guidelines came out that Wagobi was approved for kids as young as like 12. So, um, it, it almost like exactly lined up, which is not surprising considering they have so much stake, obviously within these recommendations and the people who were making the recommendations were very much linked to the pharmaceutical companies in general. If that makes sense. I, I don't know for certain if it happened yeah. at that same time, but I would not be surprised. Yeah. So going back to Ozempic, you know, first of all, do we have research to show, and I say weight loss efficacy, meaning long, sustainable weight loss, that somebody could take this medication and it effectively works? That's my first question. And the second one is, what happens when someone gets off of it? Like you mentioned for someone with diabetes, when they come off of the medication, everything kind of goes back to normal. Have you seen someone taking it for weight loss, getting off and what that, you know, looked like? Yeah, that's a great question. So there are a few studies out that are just testing Ozempic for weight loss. So these are not people that have type 2 diabetes or prediabetes. And there was a pretty big study that came out that was a 68-week-long study. And they did find that weight loss benefit. They also found that 90% of people had adverse events, whether that was that nausea that diarrhea, vomiting, constipation, abdominal pain. 
And on top of taking that higher dose, that 2.4 milligrams of Ozempic, they were also um, reducing their calorie intake by 500 calories. They were increasing their exercise. Um, so there's a few different things that were going on. They did find weight loss in that 68 weeks. What was interesting is they actually followed up with that study and took those people off of the medication and then followed them for a year after that. They found in their conclusion that the withdrawal led to most of the weight loss being regained within one year. And that similar change, uh, they also found that the medication was helpful for heart health and those changes went back to baseline as well. Mm -hmm. So um, they gave the medication for 68 weeks. They took people off of it for a year. All of that weight loss was regained. All of those benefits for that heart health went away. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't say I'm entirely surprised. And it's interesting because I'll have people say to me, well, what if I take the medication to just lose the weight and then I can maintain the weight at which I'm now at? But that isn't how restrictive diets work. And, you know, it sounds like with this type of medication, it's, it is impacting appetite. And it also, you know, decreases how much you're eating because of the appetite. It's almost like this feeling of like not wanting to eat, not thinking about food. It almost reminds me of like an Adderall or like a stimulant that, you know, people take for ADHD. Have you recognized or seen anything in the literature about like malnutrition or, you know, micronutrient deficiencies, anything like that because people are restrictive? They, I haven't seen anything in the literature, but I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Yeah, that it's there. They're just not looking for it. And as dietitians, we're always working with our clients on eating more regularly, really allowing themselves to eat the amount of food that their body needs, gaining that healthy relationship with food. And it's going to be tough to do that if you're feeling nauseous every time we eat. Yeah. So it's almost like, yes, maybe this drug could potentially help you to lose weight as long as you decide to stay on it. And at the same time, like you will likely be experiencing really harsh side effects. So it's almost like this pro con, you know, for some people it might be worth it. But I think for a lot of people, it's like, at what point are you willing to go to, to lose weight and maintain this body? And at what point are you going to be willing to like the second that you go off of it now you just completely ruined your blood sugar balance and everything from where it was right like you're gonna literally have to be on this medication forever if you now want to maintain this weight and plus the fact that you're taking it away from someone who really needs it yeah exactly everything's going to go back to the way it was and again some of these studies are showing that 90 percent of people are dealing with these not so fun side effects at those higher doses and so it's yeah at what cost to lose that weight and how sustainable is that going to be for the long term especially when out of pocket it can be multiple hundreds of dollars a month to take this (laughs) i mean i even heard it could be up to like a thousand a month like you're spending $12,000 to inject yourself, to make yourself nauseous and, you know, GI issues. It's, and it, you know, it shows us the extent that people are willing to go. And it's, you know, at the end of the day, like something I tell all my clients is it is your body and you have full autonomy to 
make decisions for whatever feels best. And, you know, I think it's our role and hopefully our job to just provide some of the facts and help people come to a decision that feels good for them. But, you know, with this type of medication, it does come with like serious considerations. And I I can't remember if it was a study studies on mice or if they also found it in humans but i do know that it's not recommended for people with like a family history of thyroid cancer or maybe a history of thyroid cancer themselves are you able to speak to that at all yeah that is definitely the recommendation if there's a personal or family history of thyroid cancer that it is not indicated to take this medication and so if you you are thinking about taking it and have that family history, make sure that you're telling your doctor that because uh, I'm sure some of that slips through the cracks. So what would you tell someone who's listening to this podcast and they're like, okay, this, you know, I'm hearing all this. I'm still not completely sold that I don't want to start the medication solely for weight loss. Like what would you tell that listener? Yeah, at the end of the day, what are what are your goals? Like you said, everyone's got that autonomy over their body. If your goal is to get your blood sugar well managed and taking this medication can help with that and that's the thing that's going to work for you, then great. But if your blood sugar is in a good place and you're taking this medication for weight loss purposes, it's probably going to bite you in the butt in the long term. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who, I think it was Remy Bader was talking about her experience going on Ozempic and how, you know, she had gained all the weight back and maybe had gained, you know, more weight. And that's a very similar pattern to just what we see with dieting in general. You know, two thirds of people end up regaining more weight. And so much of that is your body is like protecting you. And it's, you know, wants to help make sure that you're nourished and nurtured. And I know that some people can get frustrated by that because they feel like their body is failing them. But if we could honestly reframe it as like your body is just trying to help you survive at the end of the day. Yes, I love that reframe. Yes, she gained, I think, double the weight back, she said. And her doctor, I believe, put put her on it to end the binging. And it just came back in full force, of course. Well... That's also so interesting too, because if in order to curtail the binging, someone would literally just have to, I would imagine would have to be on it for a really long period of time. Obviously we don't know, you know, what else is happening, but eating less does not lead to less binging after the fact. Right. And I think, you know, that, that we do now. So yeah, I, I see a lot of these medications being used for, binge eating disorder, you know, used for many other reasons besides diabetes and heart disease. So yeah, it will be interesting to see how this continues to unfold. Yeah. Yeah. I guess we'll see if everyone's still talking about it in a few years. And if not, there will be something else that gets exactly and and used. Well, thank you so much, Lauren. Anything else? Any other questions you have i think that's it you spoke to Olympic very well and honestly i had a lot of questions about it so i'm happy to have more of a um educated 
approach to it of, you know, how to speak to it. Cause people ask me all the time, you know, have you heard of this thing? What do you think about it? I was like, I mean, I don't know much about it. I just know that if you have to inject yourself with a shot every other week, every week to maintain your weight, it's probably not good for you, but this was really insightful. So thank you so much. Yeah, this was so fun. Thanks for having me. And so Laurel, where can our listeners follow you, work with you? Um, you know, tell us, tell us all. Yeah. So uh, you can find me at my website, laurelandnutrition.com or find me on Instagram at dietfreediabetes. Amazing. And we will put all that in the show notes as well. Awesome. Thanks so much. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Food Therapy. If you enjoyed what you heard and want to support our podcast, please subscribe, hit download, and share it with your community. We value your feedback. If you feel inspired, please leave a review. Let us know what you've learned and what you would like to hear next. All information about this episode will be linked in our show notes. New episodes of Food Therapy come out every Sunday, but you can stay connected with Food Therapy all week long by following us on Instagram at foodtherapypod. As a disclaimer, this podcast should not replace therapy or working with a registered dietitian. Thank you again, and we'll see you next week.